Hey, it's your boy Rocco here, King Size Muscle, local 666269.com podcast. Going to hit you with a little bit of a neuroscience today in thinking about five steps in order to rewire your subconscious. we got to think about the idea of acknowledgement and attention when approaching this concept. Acknowledgement brings the subconscious thing that you want to change to your conscious. It brings it from the back to the forefront, essentially. And so your conscious thoughts. And so what can we do that can work towards changing it? And so depending on what the the dynamic is that's within your subconscious, how can we bring it to the forefront and begin to make the changes. And so in order to change this, we're going to need attention. Some people might say focus, but definitely we've got to put a lot more attention on this. And so on the neurobiological level, we want to think about some of the chemicals that are happening, some of the exchanges for the biological into the neurological, where we go from basically the hormones and other um, sort of chemical reactions within the body uh, being converted into uh, electrical signals in order to move uh, our thoughts or ideas around. In this case, if we look at something like uh, acetyl choline, which I have difficulty pronouncing, so I'll try it again. Uh, acetylcholine, still can't get it, so I'm going to have to work on my subconscious of getting it pronounced right. Um, this is a big thing uh, that some of people in the Charles Poliquin camp um, talk about, in especially in his diet uh, for training and for athletes. Uh, acetylcholine is essential. Uh, he always recommends eating nuts and trying to, trying to spike that uh, in the in the morning. This along with uh, norepinephrine, um, they're sort of the two neuromodulators that are involved in neuroplasticity. And get used to this. You're, you're hearing more and more about plasticity um, as we kind of move forward and it's, we understand it a lot more. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a funny word because obviously if we break it down and we think of plasticity um, related to being sort of plastic, being malleable, right? You know, it can be sort of uh, stretched or, or compressed or changed or, you know, different things like that. And that's kind of the, the concept in some ways when it's applied to neurology uh, or neurological things involved with thinking, uh, you know, sort of the adaptability and also sort of the sticky, solid kind of aspect of it. And so they definitely have to be present uh, simultaneously for rewiring. And so if we're talking about rewiring some concepts, and, and, and even in my example, because I'm having difficulty pronouncing the word acetylcholine, which is now starting to come out because I'm remembering Charles Pollock wouldn't say it, I just don't use it that often, and so I don't have a lot of practice with it. And so there's no need to, to beat myself up over it or anything else and just say it's a, a sort of a complicated 
a word that is not in my common speech, and then through usage, of course, it will be. This is even what I tell my students when they're having difficulty. It's why reading aloud is, is, is valuable and listening uh, with intent as well. For his uh, purposes uh, in training athletes uh, to get to optimal conditions, and he had a lot of success with, with different Olympic champions, uh, th- a lot of it through nutrition and not just the training itself, uh, having these uh, two things present uh, as neuromodulators allowed uh, his athletes to make those mind-muscle connections. And the more that I continue to put on muscle and take off weight and talk to uh, other experts in the field and so forth uh, for body recomposition, which is a precarious uh, dance on the razor's edge in the sense that you're running on restricted calories, but yet you're still trying to build muscle. And so a lot of things contribute to this um, in different ways, such as uh, nutrient timing, uh, nutrient density. I mean, it's, it's a complex and then cycling uh, different micronutitions and so forth. For the concept then of having this uh, neuroplasticity to be useful to us, not only for this idea of of what's in the subconscious to the conscious, that definitely is important in mind-muscle connection. Because subconsciously, obviously, you're going to be already wired into what's going on with your body and so forth uh, based on the design of the human brain going into the hypothalamus and so on. That's sort of the, the automatic um, program or background program that's always running in your OS. And now we're trying to um, basically add some hacking or biohacking or a little bit more control over some aspects of what happens in the body in response from the subconscious to the conscious. And the mind-muscle connection, which is awesome for building more muscle and having more endurance. And so if we can spike these uh, neuromodulators and have them present, then the rewiring is going to have a lot better chance of taking place. So, for example, we can learn a new language uh, really without paying attention sometimes you might need to pay attention to uh, the words which drive both neuromodulators to the area of the brain that is responsible for language. Many times uh, people are amazed by my ability to understand and to listen to many different foreign languages, especially as I travel around the world in the past and pretty soon again in the future, or the fact that I watch a lot of uh, foreign programs. And I spent weeks uh, buried in the the, the Japanese uh, zatoichi uh, rabbit hole of, of you know hours and hours of Japanese television and with subtitles as well, and not with the purpose of really trying to study Japanese. Even though I've had um, a lot of experience with uh, Japanese uh, people, including uh, my aunt who is uh, Japanese and one of my besties growing up who. Uh, was a road dog for many years, was Japanese, and some of the other clients and so forth. And just to sort of intuitively understand what people are saying without studying the language is a good example of having that rewiring present. And I would suspect that um, my engagement with people that 
speak Japanese, that there's elements of that diet that would help to spike these neuromodulators with the acetylcholine and the norepinephrine as well. And so we'll look at that with a little bit more detail um, to, to sort of support that theory. And in the process of, of just sort of being in an immersion without trying to focus on it, you'll be surprised how much you can pick up if you have your brain ready to be rewired and it's prime for it. And so you get that sort of that sticky uh, concept uh, that allows the mind to latch onto it and produce it. The next part of this is then you have to add in repetition and visualization. And visualization has always been a, a key tool uh, in success, uh, manifestation, um, invention, creation, uh, creativity, creation. I haven't eaten yet, too, so I'm <laughs> kind of... Uh, again, that, that's a good example of, of trying to talk about this in a way that is efficient and direct. And, you know, something that would probably take two minutes. I'm already at the 10-minute round because my mind is, is not sort of dialed in because I'm hungry. Uh, I've been fasting for quite a while here, and I do feel uh, a bit flat. And so I'm having some difficulty in some areas for concentration. It's another reason why I do these recordings is to have some sort of record or playback to understand what the effect is of, you know, fasting for extended periods of time, is that affecting my performance? In some cases, obviously, when you when you get a good burn from uh, intermittent fasting and you get used to kind of, you know, doing that without going too catabolic, you do get, you do get this kind of enlightened sense or spidey sense or something. You do get in a zone. I'm just not there at this moment. So visualization is, is vital, um, in not only for basically rewiring what's in your subconscious to your conscious, but again, the visualization is useful for that mind-muscle-memory uh, connection or mind-muscle connection in the sense that if you are doing some sort of lift, you know, let's just call it barbell curls, and you're curling uh, a barbell with certain intensity and purpose and you're managing all the way through on the uh, lift and on the downside of it as well and you're really focused on the muscle and you're feeling the pump and you're visualizing the the bicep growing and getting thicker and you're thinking of the bicep poses and so on and so now you're you're really sort of rewiring that part of your brain to say that when I lift or curl this 15 pound weight 25 pound weight 30 40 50 pound weight it's going to produce gains as you begin to believe that. And it, through the process of repetition, and that's the beauty of, of lifting weights, is it is very repetitive uh, for periods of time. Granted, you can have all kinds of variation, but you know the, some of the basic forms uh, that you're going to use to build muscle, it's going to be extremely repetitive. And for someone like myself, who is still very heavy, but also very muscular, uh, about 75% more than uh, the average male at my age and uh, uh, background and so forth. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the concept is that that idea will sort of help you 
to continue to, to develop this idea. And how we can maximize that or optimize that is to use some of these techniques through visualization and repetition uh, while we are doing our reps and to think about those things to, to get what seems to feel like a fuller, harder pumps, uh, you know, presets. And this is something that we can even observe in, in the field with different people. And you can try it for yourself. You know, a lot of us take uh, different types of pre-workouts and, you know, all these things to either give us uh, some st stimulation uh, or uh, perhaps uh, give us more nitric uh, oxide or nitric uh, components to allow the blood vessels to get that big, nice, juicy pump. Once we sort of get into that place of plasticity, which can be done again through uh, nutrition and, and awful, also there's some devices on the market that are electrical in nature or magnetic in nature that also seem to be able to uh, stimulate and target uh, these uh, neural uh, modulators to also get you in that moment where you have that, that sort of optimum window of processing information and then sort of projecting the information. Again, if, if we are creating and projecting sort of our understanding of the reality around us, then this would be really useful for, you know, taking it to the next level, to getting an upgrade in your life and so on. Even if it's not about the mind-muscle connection, it might be something like your, your mind and your money connection. So whatever that is, you can put them together this way. So we want to strengthen these pathways and we want to make them really thick. You know, we want to build those freeways in between the neurons that communicate with one another. And so when there's, when there's firing um, in the, that area within a close time frame, we know that, that it's going to ensure that they sort of pair or bond and they become stronger. If you go back through, you know, all my adventures in my lifetime and, and think about some of the things that I've gone through related to uh, trauma and related to abuse, related to addiction and so on, and the fact that, you know, I'm not completely uh, uh, an acid casualty pumpkin head uh, jelly donut with pants on, unlike some people that I know <laughs> that's what's happened to them, is is the constant rewiring, the constant desire to level up and know that, you know, we can create those other pathways. And this year being diagnosed with uh, adult ADHD and being given per, uh, medication for it is going to definitely allow some pretty serious changes because now I have that attention, I have that focus um, and acknowledgement of what's kind of going on in my mind, what I want to achieve, what I want to do. And so you just get stronger with that. And so I'm, I'm making those pathways thicker, um, the same way you would do with your muscles as you tear them down and they scar over and come back and they come back thicker and get bigger and you get gains. It's, you know, they're almost interchangeable conceptually in this case. So we get these pairs that they become stronger together. And then we need to sort of think about how we're going to, to, perform during that day? How are we going to execute? How are we going to get uh, this into reality or to the, into action in our day-to-day -day lives? And so when we think about how we're going to make this happen, you know, um, how our performance and behavior happens or changes in this case will also 
help to strengthen these new neural pathways. So that's that's the benefit of, of meditation, which is everybody knows is fantastic. Um, and of course, it's been the great white whale that I've been chasing for a long time. Uh, people that are neurodivergent, we know that meditation is beneficial for us, but it's quite a struggle um, to get to that point where we can, can really make the plasticity, uh, plasticity happen for us so we can rewire um, some of these things that are going on in our minds, which will manifest themselves into behaviors and habits and some physical components as well. We need to also think about the neurons that fire together are going to be wired together. And that's the easiest way to, to sort of think about it is something kind of cheeky like that, you know. Neurons that fire together wire together. And, and my previous kind of example about being a, a donut with pants on is that in the throes of, of addiction, obviously I created uh, addictive uh, pathways. You know, I wired a lot of those neurons that were firing, you know, my desire for whatever the substance was and, and so on. And I, you know, got over it. And people always wonder, like, well, how did you, how did you get out of that situation without, you know, going to rehab and so forth? Um, because I knew about this concept. I didn't have the terminology for it, per se, or a lot of the experience. But I always believed that the human mind was, was capable of, of much more than what we uh, allow it to sort of do. And, and luckily for us, we've gotten more information on how to make that happen for ourselves as individuals. It's probably the, the biggest challenge for myself when it comes to like a 12-step program, which at that time I, I tried several times in order to find some kind of a sobriety and kept getting hung up on this idea that I was powerless over my addiction. Now, this could be just a s semantical argument on my on my behalf, and it could have been just the 300-pound gorilla on my back making sure that I would fail. But even still, uh, I mentioned this the other day to a friend of mine. I said I, I could never really get into that idea that I was powerless to make a change for myself. Now, I'm not knocking it. I know that, that 12 steps have saved a lot of people and, and gave them a new lease on life uh, free from addiction. But for myself... Uh, I couldn't surrender that. And some people say, well, you know, your ego is not your, your amigo. You're being sort of, you know, too selfish. You're kidding yourself, all these different things. And that's, that's fine. You can say whatever you want. All I know is what works for me. Um, and I do that. And that's what works. And that's why I do it. Because I think the mind is capable of healing um, different sort of things that we do to ourselves and also creating a life for ourselves and creating the body that we want if we can put those areas of focus together. And so the rep repetition and visualization, you know, definitely comes out in the form of affirmations. And people oftentimes will think, geez, you know, you're always sort of listening to that one thing or you're always, you know, uh, writing down sort of the same phrases or repeating yourself. But for me, it's, it's an affirmation. I'm doing it to, to again, to make sure that uh, what is firing is getting wired. Checking in with uh, your coach. Checking in with, you know, your mentor, your teacher. Again, you're sort of taking that 
that stuff that's in the back and bringing it to the forefront and sharing it with other people. And we're also having other people make observations about what the results are. And that's also valuable. You know, I, I struggled oftentimes with, with coaches and teachers and mentors in different areas uh, through difference of opinion or whatever it may be, or an unwillingness to uh, maybe um, commit to what the program was and so on. And so it's just that I really have extremely high standards. It's the same thing that I always say if, if I go to a new gym and you know they try to press you for personal training, you know, because that's what personal trainers do, right? Hey, there's a fat person, let's try to sell them some personal training. And I always just say, you know, if you can if you can outlift me uh, in some areas, then I will accept. Uh, otherwise, uh, leave me the fuck alone. Not that I couldn't learn from someone who didn't have my amount of strength, but there is definitely some sort of maybe primal holdover or stubbornness in my part uh, that says you have to show me that you are stronger or that you are better. Are they faster? They're always faster. That's the thing. I, I just have resolved that at this moment, I'm not going to have a lot of speed and that's okay. I can modify uh, my life around that concept, whether it's doing something or taking action or defending myself or fighting for someone. Uh, I've always known that I don't have a lot of speed and also uh, don't have a lot of time uh, to be upright as well, you know, because if this heavy, you get very winded. And so I have to be very strategic and precise if I strike. And uh, when I get a hold of you, I cannot let go of you until you will submit or defeated or you are asleep. Again, because I'm not going to go uh, running around toe-to-toe -to -toe because I don't have that ability. So that's, again, that's having acknowledgement of what you can and cannot do is also important. Journaling, 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 journaling. And I say that repeatedly because that definitely is something that has to happen and, and Perhaps this is a style of journaling that I'm doing now, uh, podcasting and broadcasting. But there's something about pen to paper for me, because I'm from that generation, of um, turning those ideas either from the subconscious or maybe beyond in the conscious mind into a record, into, into some ink on some paper. And so what you see is, is what you get in that case. Unlike when we're speaking in sort of descriptive grammar and I can kind of muddle around here and keep adding information until you say, oh, okay, I understand the idea. But if I had to write this down, it'd be very difficult. I'd have to edit it down and concentrate it to some key concepts and ideas. And journaling will also help you do that because it provides a sort of a, a conversation with someone that knows you extremely well, and that's yourself. And if you can get to the point where you are journaling much more freely from the subconscious, you may learn more things about yourself as they reveal. And one of the tricks to do that for myself is sometimes is writing with my left hand, my opposite hand, I'm right-handed. But I do have a lot of uh, ambidextry and sort of different things like when I play pool, uh, when I shoot guns, things like that, because I, I, I train that way. Um, when I was also doing uh, boxing and so forth. My left was always uh, the weakest 
uh, for whatever reason, mostly being right-handed dominant. And so I always worked on uh, coming out with the left because I knew I could always clean up with the right. Um, you know, so it's, it's one of those kind of situations in this case. And journaling with your opposite hand sometimes will unlock those keys that you need to get to the point where you're developing this plasticity with this conversation to yourself in your own voice and giving you the powers of observation beyond yourself. And so not everything will be subjective, uh, which is valuable because you need that outside input uh, in order to have peak performance. We have habit stacking. And so we'd have to talk about that a little bit. And so think about the certain habits that you have, just like a supplement stack. You know, you, you, you're trying to reach sort of a, a synergistic way of getting the best benefit out of that. And so if you've got some positive habits and you might have a lot of negative habits. And so if you don't stack them in a way that they sort of augment each other or promote each other, then you'll always be in somewhat of a conflict. And I think that happens quite often for myself is that, you know, I have a lot of good habits and I have some pretty shitty habits. And uh, definitely, uh, if I don't get that stack right, you know, I can't get any sort of performance or production out of either side of it. You have to have accountability. And when you're trying to change something from the subconscious or trying to uh, change some aspect of your physiology by using your mind to do it. Accountability is, is amazing because there's a large part, especially more so now, it seems like, in uh, Western society and definitely here in, in this country, that accountability kind of gets chucked to the side. You know, people get a walk, people get a free pass. And that's not always a good thing. You have to be sometimes held accountable for your actions. For example, uh, I'm, I'm being held accountable for, you know, the mistakes that I made in my 22-year uh, uh, long-term uh, relationship and marriage. And uh, my partner, my significant former, bless her heart, uh, drew the boundaries on, on what the accountability would be for my actions. And then we're dealing with those consequences. And... If you can have that accountability, you will be a lot more successful because you have these expectations of yourself uh, that you must meet. Oftentimes, maybe uh, we could feel accountable, but then we sort of beat ourselves up for not meeting those expectations. But we're really not trying to do that. We're trying to, to treat ourselves as somebody we really care about. And I'm an extremely generous person when it comes to caring about people. And I'm also very selective about that as well. But when it comes to caring for myself, I definitely dropped the ball in some areas because the way that I was brought up and the things that I did in my life that perhaps made me feel even less worthy of being um, of value to improve and now I'm, I'm back. I'm back on point. And uh, again, it, it comes at the expense of my relationship um, to come to a place where I have to take accountability for myself and my actions. And so 
in that way, it's just bittersweet because it's a blessing and a curse. So we have our, our different concepts here of acknowledgement, which is accepting whatever that situation or thing is that we are concerned about and want to develop or to maybe change or alter. We put our attention to it and then we uh, repeat it through uh, affirmations and journaling and conversations. And then we always use visualization to get to a point of uh, outcome. For myself, uh, oftentimes when we're working on projects with students, you know, I give them a, a model for composition and I said, well, let's read this, let's read it aloud, let's see what words you're sort of struggling with, let's make some notes, some, some concepts that you might be missing. And so we start with the end product, which would be the visualization of what they want to do, which is a, a you know, a, a top tier essay. How can we meet that? Well, we don't want to copy it because we want to have the skill to be able to do it repeatedly. And so we reverse engineer and then start thinking about some of the functions and, and some of the um, ways that the progression is demonstrated in the piece of writing. And eventually, you know, you do that enough, you'll, you will develop your voice in that case. Accountability for me um, when it comes to weight loss and working out is definitely an area that I want to work on. And so I'm trying to create a situation for myself that, that I can't, I can't weasel out of it. I can't escape. I can't make excuses, whatever else. And so that's useful for me. And that's another reason why I've always get a lot of success with um, a lot of hardcore training in a shorter period of time. Um, because of that, all these factors sort of come into play. Breaking old habit patterns or breaking old patterns is also a must. Easier said than done, as always, of course, and if it was easy, everybody would do it. So when we forget that we're there's something that we're supposed to do and that whatever that new thing is, we don't want to beat ourselves up about it. Again, being separated from my former uh, significant other, the way that I react when, when she is present is very different when she's not. And so I'm still still sort of having some uh, pattern issues in my relationship with this person, but probably with other women as well, including my mother. And so it changes uh, how I react or how I do things. When she's around, my, my pain is magnified. <laughs> And I don't mean that as a diss on her per se, but I had kind of observed this when I first started uh, taking my Adderall and become becoming more observant of my behavior instead of just kind of, you know, spinning around like a top. Uh, I became a bit more strategic in the concept of like, why, why am I doing this? I wouldn't do this if I was here by myself. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be getting upset if I was in the car by myself. And so there's some sort of, you know, wiring that I have with my significant former. And I'm going to have to rewire a lot of those concepts. And I've been trying to do that uh, consciously and subconsciously. And so not beating ourselves up is important. And, and looking at the science of this sometimes is, is a good way to sort of relieve yourself from it. If we think about all these emotions and feelings that we have, we know that, um, as I tell my students, it's, it comes from the, the hormones and the chemicals that put these uh, different neuromodulators together 
that cause the wiring and the firing of our neurons. Um, you know, people often joke about, you know, really what is love and they break it down to, you know, a handful of, of hormonal reactions in the brain. Okay, that's the, that's the truth of it, it's the science of it, but definitely there's some energy there at, on a different level that we're not able to completely analyze as of yet. Breaking your old patterns, uh, again, is to dust yourself off and keep moving forward and not sort of revel into, oh, fuck, I made a mistake, I'm a terrible person, because now you are manifesting uh, and making those uh, pathways in the mind between the neurons thicker. It's the opposite of what you want to do. And so if you're constantly uh, focused on the negative aspects of your life and beating yourself up and telling yourself all these things, those are your affirmations, right? So of course you're still struggling because you're manifesting that because most of your attention and your focus is there. You've got to break out of that. And so hopefully this would be a good idea to uh, give you some sort of inspiration or some sort of shortcuts to get out of it. And when I say you, I really mean me in this case, because these are things that I want to change. And that's why I'm very interested in these kind of concepts. Um, the brain itself is amazing in the sense that it, it manages its resources for energy and production and uh, whatever else, transference, extremely efficiently. I mean, it's less than a 25-watt light bulb. Uh, and because of that, always taking sort of the shortcuts on the pathways and so on, it sometimes, you know, goes through some of those neighborhoods that aren't the best, you know, some of those memories and some of those ideas or things in your mind that are probably less than optimal. But it's the fastest route. Okay, great. And so uh, that can be also a challenge in this case because you end up sort of taking this, the same old shortcuts for those old patterns. And so how can you form some sort of new concept or new idea or new ways of doing things if you're kind of doing the same thing you've always done or take the same route in your process of thinking. you got to break out of that as well. So the brain is, is absolutely designed to take these shortcuts and sort of revert to what it knows best. And, you know, it makes associations like any sort of uh, file program. And those associations sometimes can be completely false or wrong uh, on the surface to other observers because they're not imprinting them with, you know, your own concepts. So probably what you could do instead of uh, these things as far as trying to be super critical of yourself and, and, and push yourself in different ways and find other ways not to have so many shortcuts in the process of coming to a conclusion or coming to uh, an end result, we can go back to the other idea here, which is trying to st stack the new behavior above the old one. And so whatever the old behavior is that you're changing, if you can manipulate some of the affective variables in the environment around you, eventually it'll start to also uh, happen within your mind itself. And to an extent it already has because you sort of set up that uh, sacred space or whatever it is that you are trying to uh, have some kind of uh, control with your habits. And so when you start dismantling the, the old neural pattern, because you're changing the way that the pattern fires, 
The good thing is, this is not like swapping the spark plugs out of a 67 Chevy, uh, in the sense that you can keep the motor running while you're doing this. And so, if you can do it through nutrition, through exercise, and we've also talked about EMS, magnetics, anything that can get us to that point to help us change those pathways and to form new pathways and to uh, wire and sort of fire in the areas that we need to be. This is going to be challenging because you're going to have a lot of boundaries. You may meet some internal resistance from your own mind, again, associated to things that happened probably in early childhood or, you know, big, big turning stones or big turning points in your life um, that will affect this sort of ability to uh, fully accept maybe the new program or now what I've heard people start talking about down. Oh, I got a new download, uh, which I thought is, is kind of cute and very interesting because it adds uh, sort of an ethereal quality to that. Uh, anybody that's a, a true artist or a creator often knows that sometimes we are just kind of transmuting the art uh, through our body, through our mind, through our hands, or how we're making the medium. And, and the inspiration or the, the knowledge of, of the idea comes, you know, somewhere outside of us. And it's awesome to have that kind of antenna. That's me opening a drawer. Hey! He needs his pathways rewired. Uh, babysitting this dog who's got some behavioral issues because his uh, regular humans have anamorphosized him as being a child because their children have grown up and left home. And so he's the new baby and he is fully indulged all the time and not a lot of discipline, but lots of affection and not a lot of boundaries. And so that's one of the issues, just like a bad habit. I opened the drawer, he got startled, he heard a noise, he starts barking. Pavlov's dog, right? Um, if he was my own dog, I would start working on him that way, the same way I'm working on himself. The point that I was trying to make before the interruption was that you can hear me getting stuffed up. You can hear the, the sinuses kind of kicking in. Is it is it the allergy? Is it the season? Uh, is it something else, a reaction in the body um, that's sort of saying, you know, Let's change the airflow here. And we know that if you sort of block one nostril in breathing techniques and so on, we, we think there is uh, some sort of airflow in the blood-brain barrier, uh, predominantly more so on one side than the other. And so my right side is getting really stuffed up. My left side, not better, much better either. So I got out my red light therapy, my bionase here. And I got two little red lights, which I'm going to jab my nostrils here. This is this is for me only. You can't use it. Um, and let's see if we can work on some of the inflammation. And initially, when I do this, you know, it, they don't go in there very far, and so my sinuses are are very swollen. Um, and through the process of, of still trying to work on my breathing techniques and having the red light in there, they will sort of literally slide in a bit more because the inflammation uh, goes down and we get it sort of into the top of the nostrils there. The concept of, the, of this red light is sort of similar uh, UV length, um, wavelength that we might get 
in other places, you know, even being outside, something like that. And so now my left left side is getting clearer and the right side is getting better. And, and the talking about this repeatedly is, is trying to form a new habit, which is to use this thing on a regular basis because of the benefits. Same thing when I have my sleep apnea machine, you know, I just have to have the habit about doing it. So if we stack uh, our habits, our new habits on our old habits, and we know that the brain sort of is trying to help itself in a lot of ways, and then simultaneously there's parts that um, work against itself uh, as a form of preservation or a firm form of habits that have formed maybe early in childhood as a way to protect ourselves when our feelings or needs or uh, basics weren't uh, met. So it puts a lot of stress on the brain to go through change. The acetylcholine and the norepinephrine are much higher in this case because we're trying to spike it to get the plasticity. And so we are holding sort of onto this information in our conscious mind and that requires energy. And so we can observe this like when I'm doing different interviews with candidates uh, who are using English as a secondary language. And so they're, they're sort of having to fire all these uh, different things to survive this interview. And they'll, they'll yawn consistently through it. And it's like, no, I'm not boring you. You're not tired. Is the body is signaling them to them that, hey, we're using more energy resources. We need more respiration. Uh, because your heart rate is increasing and so forth. Uh, the brain itself doesn't really know exactly what the activity is, and neither does the body. It just only recognizes the, the sort of uh, reactions that are happening. Increased heart rate, uh, increased uh, breath rate, or maybe going to shallow breath. And one of the first things we start with is breathing. Uh, it's, it's one of the few ways to kind of get around maybe the natural reaction. Now, imagine how difficult it is for me to breathe if I've stuffed up. So, uh, using this probably will help, and I can see I'm getting some relief already. And a lot of our behaviors and habits are performed on the subconscious level. When we think about habits as being binary, in a sense, a bad habit or a good habit... Never think about sort of a half-assed habit or a medium habit, but we would have to say that once it becomes wired in, we don't even think about it. Uh, that's the thing that's hard to change when someone not only has uh, a physical addiction, they also have a mental and a spiritual addiction uh, to you know a substance, cigarettes, alcohol, whatever, take your pick. And so you might even dry the person out or they stop smoking, but they still have the wiring there to want to smoke. And so that's an area of concern as well. And if we are thinking about the subconscious, then how do we draw this out into the conscious, uh, which is much more sort of energy efficient for processing? So we don't need to think about these things. Uh, they become automatic and so now we want our conscious mind to use the energy to integrate them into a new neural pattern. Uh, again, always easier said than done. I know I keep repeating that, but it's a gentle reminder to say that beyond language, we have to take some sort of action in these areas uh, in order to make it work or to push through these different boundaries.
in some ways, it's important to visualize the neural pathways themselves. The thing that, you know, we're trying to change and not so much projecting the benefits of having them sort of lined up and working in optimal order through nutrition and exercise and practice that we still are able to use those tools to also help it to do the things that we want in this area. Sleep. Well, I know it's important. It really is. I just haven't gotten to a place where I can regulate my schedule sufficiently to get into a good sleep habit. But that's a temporary situation. If I can sort of get things turned around here in the next month or so, then I will be on a more consistent sleep schedule. And so the most essential step in in sort of consolidating all these new memories and concepts that we're formulating and facilitating sort of a place of neuroplasticity with them where they can expand and grow and shrink and and become active. Uh, Sleep is just one of these things that, that as a whole, we know most people suffer with. Um, I'd say more so here in this country um, because of the our fetish for puritanical work ethics that we've inherited, which are no longer needed. Uh, so let's decolonize that shit too. In China, with my students, uh, they sort of suffer from missing sleep because of the video game addiction or phone addiction. Um, And so I don't suffer too much from that because normally I leave the phone away or outside the bedroom for the most part so we don't get the extra stimulation. Uh, I also got my uh, yellow lenses for my UV light to help me um, not get so saturated by the blue light from phones when I'm using it, which can also cause stimulation which would be bad if, if we were applying some of these things to it, if we had a purpose, a function for it, but you just end up doom scrolling on repetition, and that's not great. <clears throat> for myself, it's kind of like, again, um, trying to find ways to make the beneficial areas maximized and the things that are causing me frustration or holding me back to minimize them and to eventually uh, be rid of them. So people talk about things like sleep hygiene, and and that's an interesting way to think about it because, you know, how is your hygiene? We know that ADHD sufferers sometimes will skip taking a shower for a day, maybe two days, Um, not because they're, you know, filthy scumbags or anything else. It's just doesn't occur to us until, you know, somebody might say, ooh, dude, you need to get the shower. You're like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're, we're always sort of putting those things off um, at times. And so in order to form a habit, I mean, it might be just like, you know, what's my checklist for today? You get up, you make the bed, you, you know, gather the clothes, and you have to do that on a routine until it becomes sort of automatic in, into the subconscious. And so switching off your phone, you know, like an hour before bed and and probably an hour after you wake up to switch it back on seems like a pretty awesome idea. I haven't tried it, so I'm going to try to experiment with it. Obviously, I need to uh, let people sort of understand what I'm doing for availability in this case. The problem with jumping on the device in the morning is that you're 
you know, freebasing your dopamine and your serotonin in a way that doesn't have the other precursors in there. And so it becomes highly addictive and not so productive. So we want to try to avoid that as well. Put it, put it in another, put it in another room. Make sure you probably can focus on your body a bit more, like through stretching or yoga or meditation at that time. Uh, a good hot bath, you know, brings uh, to help your body temperature. You know, it sounds kind of counterproductive that you're you're hot and you get a hot bath. And so, when you still be hot, well, sure, but uh, essentially, you know, you're dilating a lot of your uh, blood vessels uh, in the surface area. And it means that uh, your body will try to use its own thermostat to regulate itself. And so having a hot bath, you know, means that your core temperature will drop to try to keep you cool. Also, try not to eat uh, too close to bedtime. Uh, maybe, you know, two or three hours if possible. And if you're intermittent fasting, it's not so much of an issue. But I used to have that habit when I was younger and I used to put on a lot of weight is, you know, you eat until you... Not until you're uh, full, you eat until you, you can't anymore, which is a bad habit for some reason. Uh, again, a trauma response, coping response that I'd learned at an early age, because you never knew maybe where the next meal was coming from, so you had to load up. Uh, that's not necessary anymore. And so if anything, I, I try to leave food left over or behind or take it later, something like that. That's kind of a new habit. Anything you want to do to get you into sleep mode is going to be necessary and, and brought into a habit if possible. Some people take magnesium. Uh, there's a product called Calm, and uh, I do use that on occasion. And Again, just have to form the habit of doing it. Um, we know that if you're sort of cramping in, in the left leg, it's probably a magnesium deficiency in somewhere in your bloodstream. If the cramp is on the right leg, then it's uh, the potassium. Um, I do also recommend sleeping in a, in a cool room, even if you're under a lot of uh, blankets, uh, because I'm no Seratu because of my schedule with, with overseas in Asia. I do uh, probably go to bed early in the morning, and I have to sleep in the morning, and so I have some really nice blackout curtains that I got, and that's been really useful for myself. Uh, some people even use earplugs. I, don't, I find them to be somewhat uncomfortable. Uh, I have a fan on usually that also seems to help. So we've got a, a got kind of a, a series of things that we can do for tools. And then now we just need to sort of uh, pick an area that we're trying to change, uh, that we want to apply the acknowledgement of the concept or idea or the, the desire. We're going to put some serious attention on it. We're going to have some uh, repetition uh, with those ideas you know, through affirmations and using visualization to see what the outcome is and work sort of backwards, meaning that, okay, my visualization is that I'm doing this, this, and this in uh, Pattaya, Thailand. Okay, so what does, that, what does that look like? How did you get there in the future? Um, from where you're at now. Well, obviously you had to take a flight. Okay, so that means you got to book a flight. Okay, fine. Can you afford the flight? Okay. Uh, you know, it all starts to unravel because it, it has all these other attachments to what the outcome is. And the, the deeper and more exact your visualization is, uh, the better chance you are of locking in these neural pathways. 
uh, which is also pretty awesome, especially if you start getting to the point where you become almost prophetic, it seems like. In my early childhood, I was always sketching various scenes um, that would come to fruition somewhere later in uh, my life or at that time my life with my parents. Uh, and so some people were sort of unnerved by this idea, but you know, it was never really anything bad. It's just always sort of like locations or maybe someone's face or an activity. Um, like maybe it's going to snow. Well, it's not It's not the time of year to snow. And then, oh, wait, there's snow. Wait, how did that happen? Did you curse us? Uh, no. I think that you get into a certain vibration with uh, all these things in application and that you actually can kind of get a glimpse uh, on the other side of the curtain there to the other bubble or to the other timeline, wherever it's coming from in that case, and, and then work towards that. And so this is, again, something that, that I need to sort of work on. And why I'm talking about this today in, in sort of lengthy uh, detail is not to just, you know, suck up all the airway here. It's really for me to, to say, oh, I spent some time with this and I can continue to sort of pursue it if I want to definitely want to rewire uh, what's going up on the old dome. So after we have our attention and focus and acknowledgement of the idea or the outcome, keeping it very general because it's applicable in different places, we again begin to repeat it. We begin to visualize it. We begin to, you know, sort of fall in love with it. Then we might say, well, wait a second, I can't fall in love with this new idea because I'm still married to this old idea. Well, guess what? You're going to have to get divorced in that case. Um, and so whatever uh, the old habits that need to be broken, we need to do that. And sometimes we are not even aware of uh, old habits that are causing us some kind of difficulty. Uh, maybe we suspect it, but for whatever reasons, we just kind of accept it. And so having a, a coach or a mentor uh, is a good way to have impartial observation and so they shouldn't judge you badly for it they should just be able to point out what you're doing and then you can kind of think about it especially if you're creating sort of blocks or self-sabotage or boundaries for yourself in order to improve sounds twisted oh, it is and so you've got to figure out how to untwist it so it can be effective all right that turned off so i guess it was about 10 minutes and whatever the boundaries are, if you are journaling, you can document a lot of this stuff and then readjust uh, your approach. You've got to go easy on yourself. Uh, don't, don't get too wound up with the idea that you're a bad person or you made a mistake and so on. Because again, you're feeding that area of your mind for the plasticity and for the neural pathways. We want those to dissolve. And immediately, if I have some sort of a negative self-talk or uh, Rocco bashing, uh, I will try to counteract it and try to run over it with a different pathway and, and give myself either a compliment or uh, engage in some sort of activity that, that disproves or discounts the negative talk until it fades away, which is awesome. Sleep, obviously an area to work on, and so I need to tune up and clean up my machine. To be honest with you, I've been uh, a sort of apprehensive about using it since the recall lawsuit. They had some uh, cancer-causing foam in some of it, and so it's kind of a risk-versus-reward situation. 
obviously with my significant former out of the house, the snoring is not an issue uh, for me, uh, but, you know, I'm at the age where it's probably best not to take any chances, especially now that I'm here by myself. Um, and so we just got to get back on it, clean it up, tune it, and then find out where the other machine is or the replacement, I would say. So we've got, we've got some, some coordinates here for, uh, changing sort of our way of thinking in certain areas. And we can apply this to our uh, workouts and other activities because we're trying to make the connection much stronger by wiring those neurons together in our mind and so that the wiring uh, allows the firing to happen at a, at a stronger and faster pace and making us much more efficient. Applying that to different areas of leveling up, you know, we can structure plans for ourselves and give us some kind of coordinate or target to try to get to. If we are saying that we are going to be less hard on ourselves, but we're still going to have accountability, we have to do it in a way that is, I want to I almost want to say legal, but it's not really what I'm thinking about legal in this idea here, but the accountability may be out of respect for ourselves and the, those that are available or involved with us. Uh, whatever that respect looks like is, is sort of determined by you in that situation. But for me, it tends to be fairly old school um, because of my age. And those that sort of know the difference can recognize it. Uh, those that are unfamiliar with uh, these kind of habits um, you know, will sometimes be taken back by them or surprised or even put off by them because they don't recognize them as part of their uh, coordinates or culture and so on. And who cares? Fuck up. You know, for me, it's a plays into the idea of what, what's the, the prime directive of moral obligation here. How do we do the right thing? And is the right thing really the right thing? Because we know throughout human history that, that it also changes, that people uh, believe that, that something was right, and they used all kinds of different justifications in order to uh, make it clearer to themselves, uh, to give them a free pass. For example, there was a time in this country where people accepted slavery, and they didn't have any problems with it. And they could look in the Bible and, and justify the concept of keeping a fellow human being as property. That's kind of weird now, isn't it? And I think the thing that concerns me, just kind of like what's going on in society now, is not only that that, that that behavior is abhorrent and evil and wrong, but the fact that people support it and believe in it is also quite shocking in that case that you've got some sort of moral relevance in this area and people who perceive themselves as being very moral because maybe they are Christians and using their Iron Age Sheep Herder's Guide to the Galaxy uh, to, to beat over their slaves and everybody else around them doesn't agree with it. But that's not the case. It's not sustainable. It's not efficient. And so now we're looking at a series of other issues in our country. This series of mass shootings that we've taken on here in the first six months of this year 
uh, definitely is pushing some kind of paradigm shift. Not with the people that are homosexuals and then jack off to Wayne LaPierre and the NRA, but for the rest of us. Again, we're not against guns. We actually love guns and we have guns and own guns, but do I need a high-capacity uh, assault rifle to keep my gun uh, fetish alive? I don't think so. Uh, anything that I would use uh, in that kind of situation that needed that kind of firepower, I'm already fucked. I'm already a deep shit. And definitely don't need it to take on the government or the military because they got even better shit. So pick your battles in that case. All right. I'm going to go back over this and sort of uh, repack it for myself so I can um, create a series of systems uh, to test how valid uh, these things are uh, in concerns with uh, what's happening. And I already have a, a strong feeling based on past experience that they do indeed work and they work effectively. Um, the only difference is, is, is kind of having them work as a manifold uh, between the five sort of concepts here. And so maybe I'll turn that into a mnemonic or something that I can use to make it much more manageable for myself. And so, again, that will help me to make something out of it. Hopefully you're making something out of yourself. And if you're listening to this and hanging on to the very end, then pretty much you did. And so if you uh, send me a message and you just put in the number 69, I know that you made it this far. And so I will make sure that you get some of the new swag uh, that we're building for the podcast, including T-shirts and stickers and whatnot. And so if I find that you did this and I get your 69 message, I'll follow up with you with sizes and so forth. Because that means that you are here for the full ride. And at least you can do uh, is get a booby prize, which is a t-shirt or something along those lines. All right, your boy Rocco, uh, I need to eat. <laughs> I can tell I am just, woo. So let's do that. Cheers. <laughs>